1: absolutely incredible. He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip.
0: Oh, I say. It's amazing. He does it tame and tame and tame again. Break up the music.
2: Day pyromania, smash and grab wins, over familiar player nicknames and tedious debates about who's the greatest. These are the footballing loves and hates of Kelly Cates. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Right now, if you subscribe to The Athletic, you can give another subscription as a gift for free. It's the perfect present for any football fan this Christmas. Enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. Wave goodbye to 2020 and say hello to 2021 by sharing the gift of The Athletic's unrivaled football coverage for the whole year. It's the perfect present for yourself and someone else. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 47 of the Clichés pod. I'm Adam Hurry and with me my co-host once again, sandwiching himself once again between a Jose Mourinho press conference and a night of hot Europa League action is Charlie Eccleshire. How are you?
3: I'm good. How are you doing?
2: Yeah, not too bad. Is the Sunday-Thursday-Sunday grind sort of taking its toll now?
3: It works quite well because it means I, I tend to have Friday and Saturdays off. So it's quite a nice uh, routine. Whereas normally you're kind of days off and dotted around wherever. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there has been like no week off, midweek off for Tottenham since mid September. It won't be till mid January. Yeah. So it's, it's, it is pretty yeah. relentless, but we wouldn't have it any other way, Adam. <laughs> I was really glad you said that. Um, alongside you this week, for Mezzot
2: Harland Dix is Sky Sports and BBC Radio Five Live presenter and recent introducer to Graham Soonis of the modern day concept of source. It's Kelly Kate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hello. Uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be honest. I was a bit vague on the concept myself, but it had been used in the in the VT before, where viewers had sent in questions, mm. and I thought, well, look, he knows less about it than I do, so I reckon I can chance my arm here. And come out looking like I'm, you know, down with the kids, which is my own kids hate.
2: Well, the thing about Graham Sooners is, I mean, he's getting increasingly typecast as this kind of disapprover of all things modern football. But we should also remember that he is smoother than chocolate. So the idea of him understanding the concept of sauce isn't that hard to believe
1: actually at all. No, no, no. He very much understands the concept. It's just the term, I think, was unfamiliar right. with him. <laughs> so I think it was, yeah, He he, because we we did follow it up with a picture of him modelling yes. a boutique in Middlesbrough. Bare chested and snake hipped, so um, yeah, I think the less <laughs> the less said about that, the better. I've left everyone with a bad enough mental image. <laughs>
2: um, now, Kelly, football cliches is obviously towards the frivolous end of the podcasting spectrum, but I I, can't, I do have a serious issue which I'd like to talk about to you at the start. Oh God! Since right, you're okay. here and you're you're one of the faces and voices of, of the biggest football broadcasters, and um, it's what the hell are football pundits wearing on their feet, Kelly? Yes, <laughs> the
1: Sky Sports trainers.
2: Yes, it's incredible. Like is it like a shoe soul? cupboard at Sky
1: Sports? <laughs> no, do you know the best thing about it is, I've mentioned this a couple of times, and and there are people who've taken a little bit of, um, they, they, they've they've been, what's the word, defensive about their trip <laughs> because because they're all different models and they're all different mm. brands and they like to think that they are you know connoisseurs of the Sky Sports mm. trainers, so they're like, well, yeah, I mean that's not mine because mine are whatever they are and the his are only such and such and they all get that yeah they get very competitive about it
2: charlie there is there is a there is a distinct shoe happening in punditry world isn't there it's it's kind of the black trainer with the very thick white sole. i mean soonest got involved at one point and it's like this is yes. it this is it yep. it's over
3: I, I find the trousers quite distinctive as well like the, the whole combo looks quite sort of tv world like i was at a game recently the, the shorter
1: trouser length do you mean yeah like, mm. so i walked past
3: mm. and and they it just like instantly my eyes were dro- I i can't remember who it was but i walked past there i think there were three of them all stood there and it was as if they they were in a kind of uniform and my eyes were instantly drawn to it and i thought I've, I, I can't remember where else i would ever have seen that combo of trouser and trainer
1: no it's but this, this happens a lot with footballers when at, at clubs and it ha- they they tend to like The same restaurants, or they Mm. like the same clubs, or they like the same style of clothes, or you know, you get the outliers like Hector Bellerin or whatever. But you but they are very um, they are pack animals.
2: Hmm. Actually, speaking of Hector Bellerin, he is the first item in this week's adjudication panel. A stat emerged this weekend that he is responsible for five out of sixteen of this season's Premier League foul throws. Thirty-one percent. Charlie, this is this is pretty cast iron unacceptable, isn't
3: it? No, I feel quite strongly about this. I I think there has long been like fair plays the officials in a rare example of common sense. Foul throws are generally allowed. You see foul throws all the time in Premier League. That at Sunday League level would 100% given because at Sunday League, as we know, you're only allowed to hurl the ball up the line. You cannot take a short short throw. And I think Bellerin... Yeah, they are foul throws, but there are so many. And I think he's not getting an advantage. I know it gets everyone really upset. And yes, he should know how to throw. He's a professional footballer, yada, yada, yada. But to me, it's such a minor offense. And I like the fact that generally there's been an unwritten rule that, yeah, just let them foul throw. Who cares? In the same way, we didn't know what the handball rule was for like 100 odd years and it was kind of fine. And now it's like, oh, we have to get down on him. So I think he just let people foul throw. Doesn't matter.
2: No, I know I understand that, but don't you think just foul throws are just beneath the Premier League footballer? You're not going to go and tell them to practice, um, you know, regular throw-ins, are you?
1: Yeah, that, I thought you meant beneath them, as in they they're so elite that they shouldn't be they shouldn't be That's making exactly foul what I mean. Throws, but, oh, is it? I thought, yes. I thought you meant that it was beneath them practicing. No, I, the idea of them, the idea of them sort of having a training session. So, although Liverpool have their throwing coach, don't they? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, but I wonder how much of that is actually on. You know, the technique of or just taking your legal feet throws, inside the, yeah, 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 taking legal throws, <laughs> and more about the sort of placement of the throws. Yeah, and the, I don't think it's like flick what, from the fingers.
3: What we had is like under sevens where we were taught how to. Take <laughs> throw. I, I imagine it's a touch more advanced, but we Michael Cox and I got in a debate with, with the throwing coach because we were saying that you know, at grassroots level anyway, it shouldn't they shouldn't be so strict on enforcing it because it does, as I say, encourage just people launching it. But he was saying, well you know the more you practice on it the more sophisticated it becomes and you develop routines and i'm sure that's true but the problem is most teams don't really have the time at kind of grassroots level who don't train to be working out intricate uh, throwing routines which i'm sure are very advantageous at elite level
1: there is there is a part of me though that, that like likes a rule and i am i am sort of leaning i can talk myself around <laughs> this is going to be fun when i try to talk about the things i love and hate because i can talk myself <laughs> right the way around to the other things side of the mind. argument but the, <laughs> but there, yeah, to be honest, sometimes I like them, sometimes I don't. I'm, so, I'm going to sound like Janari um, Cattuso now. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe sheet. Um, <laughs> the, um, yeah, there is a broken windows element to this, which is if you let the little things slide, then mm. sooner or later everybody's going to take huge advantage and they're going to be running a mock.
2: A mock. That was all. Very a much mock. so. Next up, um, we've all heard of the commentator's curse. This weekend my attention was drawn to a classic example of, of the phenomenon. And um, this is talk sports Jeff Peters reporting from Norwich versus Sheffield Wednesday. and what I like about it particularly, is how it evolves from start to finish and the way he styles it out at the end. It's just all so beautiful. Fifteen shots Norwich have had, but just two on target. And they both came early on in this game. They've not been able to break down this really resolute Sheffield Wednesday defence. Curse of the commentator because Norwich have finally broken (laughs) Sheffield Wednesday down. Charlie, I think commentators
3: are allowed to declare their own
2: commentator's curse. That's absolutely fine, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I think he does that really well. I'm curious because it's radio... I'm curious to know where, how far out on the pitch they are that he feels confident enough to be <laughs> talking in those terms, because it sounds like it it all uh, develops pretty quickly. I mean, my mind mm. always goes to that Steve McLaren classic where he's talking on a kind of version oh, of yes. Soccer Saturday. I mean, obviously it's not because it's during the Euros on a Monday and in the England mm. game and saying how. Utterly comfortable England look, and there's just no. <laughs> and you sit, and as he's talking, and he kind sl- oh, sort of just oh, slumps in his chair as they score. I don't think there is pundits' curse. Pundits' I don't curse. Know. I don't think it works.
2: Yeah, yeah. Soccer Saturday curse. But um, Kelly, he deals with the situation quite well. There, I, I just love the way his his pessimism just sort of seeks into the goal actually happening. It's
1: actually superbly done. It's brilliantly done. It's so smooth, like you said. He just he just he, he's sort of talking. He's trying to give it. He thinks nothing's going to happen. And then, as soon as it goes exactly the opposite way <laughs> to the way he's predicted, he's like, "There you go, told you that, told you it'd be commentator's curse." Almost as though I saw this coming. I was always yeah, ready for it.
2: The implication that you had some sort of um, hand in the matter, which is quite fun. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm claiming the assist here, which is which is really yeah. nice. But yes, there well is, done, Talk Sports. You,
1: you talk about the, the pundits' curse as well, but there there is the opposite phenomenon where if we kind of talk about a player before a game and they score, there's there's little, little smirks around the studio. It's fantastic. <laughs> the think, you're fi- think you're fine. we did say that he was on fire at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> like well, he scored in his last 23 games. There's a chance he's going to score in this one, but
2: yeah. yeah. It's a bit like The Athletic when someone scores and we have to tweet out their, our 5,000-word interview with them that we did 10 yeah. days ago. Yeah. I was just going
3: to say, I do always uh, yeah, feel... I, I hate myself for doing it, but obviously when a, when a player... it's already happens as well because our kiss of death is when you've written a massive profile on a player and then he gets sent off after 10 minutes or something and you just kind of, right, hide that away. I'm not going to be promoting yeah. that but if they do do something good it's great and there's also that commentator thing of which you know terrifies fans when a commentator's like well Liverpool have not conceded a corner at Anfield at this end in their last 19 and a half games they have now and you just think (laughs) (laughs) is this the moment (laughs) deliberate setup yeah
1: it's the revoiced match of the day pieces that I always like where they go in for a really innocuous booking and you they go oh could this could this could this cost them later on in the game and you're like almost certainly yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's when you when you see when you see sort of classic
2: goals clips and the, the the commentary always starts with yes well they're up against it here what can they what can they pull out of the bag you think well oh, come on you've got to add yeah. a little bit more mystery than that <laughs> i'm not fooled i'm um, always
3: so impressed on those um end of season vhs's which you know we used to watch back in the day and obviously the commentary was all done retrospectively but it's done often in a really convincing way. But now when I look back and think of the commentary, it's it makes sense why there was a lot of kind of scene settings from a corner. Like, well, you really feel we're reaching the crux of the afternoon here. Yeah. <laughs> a, I, one I got, one of my
1: favourite things is um, sometimes when, when they're doing sound checks on the mics, the, the commentators have to get really excited as though there's going to be a goal. And, you, <laughs> and, they, and they say it, they so go, oh, it is Kane again. another And it, it sort of, yeah, it's very funny. Or they, if they've been chatting about something else and then there is one of those surprise goals out of nowhere, sometimes they revoice it. And just to see a commentator sitting on their own with a mic, just shouting phrases <laughs> yeah. is, is slightly unnerving. It feels almost as though, like, like it's, like it's a, a compulsion. It's very odd. I watched John Champion
2: revoicing some goals in the Satanta office about 10 years ago. And I just thought, wow, this is the less glamorous side of commentating. Uh, You you know what's going to happen. That doesn't doesn't help at all. Anyway, he styled that that out as well. It's going to look like we're picking on commentators here. And to an extent, we are. This is eagle-eared listener Chris Warne, if you can have eagle ears, alerted me to this one. Um, Perhaps nobody was prepared at the Hawthorns on Sunday for Christian Benteke scoring two goals in the same match, but maybe we've simply run out of unique ways to talk about football. Um, Everyone's going to have to listen very carefully to this, because this is Sky Sports commentator Bill Leslie um, getting beaten to the punch by a a commentator sat nearby uh, just after Benteke scores his second.
0: (laughs) Christian Benteke at the double! (laughs)
1: <laughs> and uh, there was a, a sort of pre-echo. Is that how you describe that?
2: Well, at first, I thought, okay, maybe it was just a, a sound issue in it, and it's it's the same guy. But no, I think someone. I'm, I'm just a, I'm going to blindly assume it was like a local radio commentator sort of blurted out Christian Benteke the double, <laughs> and then therefore I can only assume Bill Leslie was sat there going, well, "I can't say that now, it's really annoying." <laughs> um, but of course, uh, that is the only way that you can announce someone scoring their second goal in the game. Kelly, all I'm thinking here is that the more I listen to that clip, the more absurd at-the-double sounds, as mundane as it probably is.
1: There's so many of them, though, that just sound—they just don't make any sense at all and aren't used in any other context. And now you've mentioned <laughs> yeah. it and, that, and you're asking me to think of them. I can't think of a single one of them. At-the-double is definitely <laughs> that. Never used, in any other, never used in any other context. There's so many of those football phrases, though. And when, when you actually analyse them, you think, not, what, what are you actually telling me there? Nothing.
3: Someone should write a book on this, Adam.
1: Yeah, what don't you think? There's <laughs> definitely, there's money to be made in that. Certainly with the lucrative Christmas market. <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> especially of... especially if there was one ready to go and, you know, yeah. just pick up a little, a sa- few sales before
3: then. If anyone has any ideas, do send them in. <laughs> yeah, please do. Our final item for the
2: adjudication panel this week, a very curious um, quote from Stephen Gerrard at the weekend, who's taken the the concept of every game being a cup final perhaps too far, Kelly. Uh, This was his quote before the 4-0 win at Ross County. He said, We need to treat every game like it's the last game on the planet. (laughs) That's a bit much, isn't it?
1: (laughs) That's amazing, though. But the problem is, what happens when it gets to the end of a season and they're getting close towards the game that might win them the title? What does he do then?
2: There's is universe. It the universe?
1: <laughs> but he goes universe, and then what? And then what? Like heaven and earth? I don't know. What do we? What do we do?
2: I mean, a sports psychologist would have a field day with this, Charlie, because um, telling your players to treat it like it's the last game on the planet <laughs> seems like a classic case of sporting over arousal to me.
3: <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. I didn't. I didn't know that was a thing. Is is, is sporting over arousal a thing? Yeah, you can. Term? You can be
2: too pumped up. Oh, be, I see. Can, right. Yeah. So yeah. they're going to go out I
3: mean, and do yeah. something like, I don't know, slipping in a title decider.
2: <laughs> yes, 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 indeed. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's much of a future for, for calling a game the last game on the planet for, for reasons, as we've established, there is nowhere more you can go. So announcing that in December feels like a step too far.
3: I wonder, did, um, did Carlos Roa ever use that sort of language? The famous, the, goal, the Argentinian goalkeeper who thought the world was going to end? Um, oh, the Seventh
2: Day Adventist, Carlos Roa. Yeah, yes. so he he mm. may
3: have actually used that kind of literally. Like, I do think this will be the last game on the planet. So no, what does, not what does a, a
2: player do? What do you do at the end of that game? Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> not <don't> just <laughs>
2: handshakes and swapping of shirts. It's like, oh, God. what? You,
1: yeah, but hang on, what if you lose the last mm. game on the planet? That's the last thing you've ever done in your life is lose a game of football.
2: <gasps> mm. That's and it's the, the end of the, I, the world in in yeah. at least two ways as well. There
1: are also yeah, there are also. Like really big philosophical questions to ask, you know, if this is the last game in the world, and then and then you then need to raise the game again. Where do you go with it? This mm. is this is this is questions that are going to be asked through the ages. And I mean, maybe we're has the overreacting.
2: Answers. I mean, I mean, the, <laughs> God the, the inference we're taking is that the world would end after that game, but perhaps it's just that the football gets cancelled. The football <laughs> is banned. Yeah. Football's cancelled again. Which is such a
1: bad thing. Who cares? It, football's done.
2: Yeah, in itself. we've it seen good. it all. That
1: happens several times.
2: Christian Benteke scored twice. There's nothing left that can
0: happen. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
2: Onto the main event. This is this is going to be Mezzet Harland Dix. This is the footballing love and hates of Kelly Cates. Your suggestions this week were a fascinating um, little <laughs> selection box. I'm looking forward to these.
1: Tell tell me why. Tell me afterwards why you find them fascinating. Because well, then we won't we won't do any spoilers in case anybody's <laughs> desperately excited about all of this.
2: Well, the, the fascination uh, lies within. Let's find out. Tell us about the first thing that you you love or just simply find oddly charming about football.
1: Oh, no, it's not oddly charming. I absolutely love this. Okay. And I have to put all kinds of safety disclaimers on it. And I realize that, I, you know, I, I don't want to encourage people to yeah. do this. But I absolutely, with all my heart and every fiber of my being, love pyro. I think it's <laughs> amazing. I think you see a flare go off. And all the, all the kind of caveats that it's dangerous, I know. I know that. Lots of things are dangerous. It doesn't mean I don't want to see them, and this no. is one of them. I just it reminds me of um, reminds me of like big European nights. You know when you see yeah. a way end in like Turkey or somewhere, and they're just exactly. yep. like a huge smoke bomb. It's fantastic when you see buses coming down the the road and the fans are all out there holding flares in their hand. That's the kind of dedication the kind of disregard for their own safety. <laughs> that kind of over you know, overcome with emotion, kind of lack of sense that I like to see and I'm I'm sorry I appreciate that it's not responsible of me but I, I don't care about other people's safety
2: okay I have some very niche objections to this but Charlie can we hear your views on this first are you a pyro man
3: I want well I remember hearing the chant no pyro no party and I imagine yeah, Kelly you're a big big advocate big proponent that. yeah <laughs> you've lobbied hard for that over
1: the
3: years <laughs> uh yeah I, I mean I I definitely was taken with with kelly's passion there I, I i've never myself been a huge pyromaniac or however you want to <laughs> <laughs> how, how you describe yourself but it was certainly fun i mean i heard no pyro no party what's the team called it's one of those the non-league one of the non-league teams i saw them years ago and it was really really fun and, and they were really into their pyro it it, it certainly makes a spectacle um mm. and i know what you mean about health and safety don't don't try this at home kids but yeah Fuck it! It looks great.
1: <laughs> Let's, should we do Should we do retro pyro then? Should we say that in we like we like looking at old footage of pyrotechnic displays? No, that sounds Maybe even like, more weird. Way, <laughs> no, because because like they if then we're not telling people to do it in the future. By the way, by pyro, I don't mean those kind of fireworks that go off the pitch at Wembley when there's a big no, game. Or whatever. No, That's, no, no, no. That leaves them, I mean, it's nice and everything, and, and you know they do a very good job of it. But it's it, I, I don't get the same emotional
2: reaction so we have you down as like pyro historian is 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 that cooler (laughs) because i don't think it is
3: a pyro pyro connoisseur (laughs) <laughs> I mean,
2: Kelly, as you said, I mean, the image that it, it gives you is kind of away European ties in Turkey yeah. or Greece or something like that. But this is this is perhaps my slight objection. Can you see English fans pulling this off on a regular basis? Is it a fairly convincing sight? Because if we're going to be doing pyro over here, do we need the guy who stands on the on the advertising hoarding with his back to play sort of coordinating chants with his megaphone? We need that guy. No, we,
1: do, we do have pyro here, but usually it's like one or two flares going off in a oh. in a in a corner. I think fans are quite um, rigorously frisked before they come into game uh, to come into games. So I don't know if that's still the case during COVID. Do I never ask that question with fans coming back? How rigorously are they frisked? Um, but yeah, I think I think there's um, we do do it here, but it, not quite to the the same the same level. Is there
2: a threshold you think for the type of game that deserves pyro? I mean, I mean, like the Saturday no. twelve thirty. I, I can't see pyro there. But you it could only that. it could only improve it. It could only improve
1: it. If you're sitting there, there's a nil-nil draw where the players all look half asleep. The crowd haven't woken up. They're all still hung over from Friday night. I'm talking about the crowd rather than the players. And then suddenly, some kind of scuffed goal <laughs> dribbles across the line. And all of a sudden, there's five massive flares in the away end. That would be fantastic. I do not condone this officially. but the, No, that's
2: fine. That We've made amazing. that clear.
1: That would be yeah. amazing. But we just we it? We
2: have to we have to put this into the equation. What if you let your flare off too early?
1: Well, that's yeah, that's that's often a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never 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 go too early when you're lighting your own flame.
2: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely right. I think we've 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 extinguished every every possible um, emotion we can have out of out of pyro. There. Tell us about your your second rather sensual love of football well
1: well to be honest it it does kind of um follow on from the pyro thing as well because one of the other things i love about <laughs> making myself some, like some kind yeah. of psychopath that should be on a register <laughs> but um i mm-hmm. love the smell of the pyro I, <laughs> I love that kind of burnt smell and the and the fog that it leaves around the ground we see it at the moment um during COVID, you don't really want it around anybody with breathing issues but um <laughs> the, the the one that i, the, the smell that I do love um you know, they say that part of your brain that that senses smell is next to the part of your brain that memory. The one that is the, the most deeply embedded in me is that smell of turf and deep heat. It's mm. just mm. that from from before I even knew what the smell, you know, could distinguish the smells or whatever. Because I've been going to the game since I was two. And so I, I don't even remember the first game I went to, but that smell will always, always be football to me. And it, I can, even when I smell it, I can hear the clatter of like old boots on a mm-hmm. hard surface and that kind of, it just, when, when I smell that it brings all my other senses kind of flooding back and I, I just love it. And, I, it, and the, the interesting thing is, it hasn't, it's one of the few things that hasn't changed and is almost exactly the same at grassroots and at elite level football.
2: Exactly right, Charlie. This is this is quite a universal thing. But when you get down to sort of Sunday League level, and you're talking about mud and, and deep heat, it's you're getting into a stage where you're kind of romanticising things that are essentially inconveniences, bad pitches, <laughs> and being cold. That's not something to evoke.
3: Yeah, I know what Kenny means. That deep heat smell is one of the most evocative smells, and I would say alongside that, vit, the smell of Vicks, which in kind of the early uh, because of players like Patrick Vieira, it, mm. it, it, there must have been a spike in kind of North London sales of Vicks, and so that's <laughs> that smell as well. Just if I ever get a kind of whiff of that or Deep Heat, yeah, it just uh, takes me back. And yeah, and Deep Heat still still going strong. Those same red red tubes. At, does it at, work? They work? I've never
2: used it. I, I've never I mean, been. A I have DP a long man. history of muscle injuries on on a Sunday League pitch, but I've never actually used DP. Uh, what does it? Does it work?
3: I've never really used it. I always felt like I was too self important. Um, it it <laughs> felt a little bit like people who kind of wanted to be pros, and yeah. you know, would would mm. be in the gear. But but people swear by it. Uh, and maybe Adam, you wouldn't have had those muscular injuries. Think what you could have achieved.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I look back with some regrets. Um, I mean, I was more of a tape guy. I had the tape, right? And once you have the tape, you no longer have the tape. But uh, where did if you're you are the, the tape? The, DP... the, the
1: tape over your nose or the tape on your muscles? The big the, oh no, big not Robbie Fowler tapes. style.
2: Not Robbie Fowler style tape, the tape around my ankles. This, the, this sort of blood oh. circulation limiting, p- perhaps slightly too rolled around tape right. on the ankles, but just to make me look like a mid-2000s footballer. That was the only the, that was pretty much the only uh, motivation for that. This leads me on to um, a lovely clip from the weekend um, from a very likely suspect. This was Neil Warnock complaining of the substandard facilities at Stokes, um, I did say Britannia Stadium, I mean the Bet365, of course, uh, which, which really did evoke um, the inconveniences of Sunday League.
3: We've got changing. was an absolute disgrace today. I want to put animals in it. You know, the the toilets were blocked up, they've got fumes coming in from a bloody engine outside the dressing room, water everywhere on the floor. It's a disgrace for the Championship. Absolute disgrace. I hope we do the same when we play them up at our place, rather than give them the comfortable... We weren't even uh, social distancing where we were, in in these cabins, what they put in. We might as well have been in the dressing room. You know, we're too nice, us, up there. Kelly, that's,
2: that's proper football man Neil Warnock, who clearly doesn't share your love of the down and dirty sensations
1: of football. Mm, well, he didn't love it on this occasion. But I would mm. be surprised if Neil Warnock hadn't managed at places where they did make their opponents change in slightly... Less glamorous locations, so I, yeah, I think, I think sometimes Neil Warnock likes things when they go for him and doesn't like them when they go against him. And I don't, I don't think I'm you know breaking any barriers by saying
2: this. <laughs> no, I think I, mm-hmm. I think you're, you're probably about right. Um, interesting, interesting point he made at the start of that clip where he said he wouldn't have put animals in it, which uh, intersected very nicely with this quote from Jose Mourinho this weekend, Charlie.
3: I have two arguably world class players and finishers in Son and Kane. Not only us as a world class individually, in fact, combining a world class compassion.
1: And uh, working like animals, with all the respect for animals. I love animals, don't get me wrong. Uh, but working amazingly <laughs> hard
3: when the team didn't have the ball.
2: <laughs> what a bizarre clarification,
3: to me. <laughs> I just <laughs> love that. No disrespect to animals. I love animals. Give credit to animals.
1: This is the yeah. new social media-friendly Jose, isn't it? He's terrified he's going to get cancelled. He's seen the dark side of Instagram when he's trying to be Mr. Nice Guy, and now he's thinking, mm. "Oh my God, people are going to." I've said a... I've said something bad about animals.
2: He doesn't want Petter on his case. Jose Mourinho hits back in Petter Row. <laughs> that will be that will be next week. I really look forward to that. There's anyway. huge
1: Petter billboards all over London, <laughs> all over North London, with big X's over Jose Mourinho's face.
2: Um, a badger throwing their season ticket at him in the dugout. Um, anyway, but yeah, okay. I, I, I mean, this isn't room one hundred and one. I mean, you're, you're you're entitled to your loves and hates. This isn't up to me to accept them. But the smell of mud and deep heat, I think it just means a means. A, yeah, it does. It does flick something in your brain. Mm. Um, but yeah, we need to find someone who actually has ever worn deep heat. Perhaps I should have put a call out for that. Anyway, Kelly, tell <laughs> us about your third love of football.
1: Um, undeserved wins teams that have been absolutely (laughs) pinned to the wall for the whole game and then somehow get a scrappy corner at the end and then somebody goes up who shouldn't have taken it somebody else the goalkeeper piles forward and and they take all three points and I, I can't decide which I love more which is that kind of hysterical sort of all, like almost like hysterical laughter sort of celebrating the players who know full well exactly yes. what they've got away for or the all the disgust and that disbelief mm. on the on the opposition's faces i just love it i think it's i i just think it's um it's part of why we watch because that can always happen and it's mm. that and it, it is it's that celebrating and as as players run off and they don't do any kind of um you know choreographed celebration or anything like that they're just trying not to like cry laughing and it's brilliant i love it (laughs) there
2: is a technical point to be made here charlie um listener Callum slater writes in and says i've just heard an 18th minute goal inexplicably described as smash and grab i was shocked he says now when it comes to smash and grab which i guess (laughs) is the phenomenon we're talking about here um, smash and grab is the is the entire game itself, like the act of going in, taking what you need, which mm. is the points, and then going away. You can't have an individual goal as a smash and grab. Is that is that fair to say?
3: Yeah, although I feel you do hear that from comment. You know, a team will take the lead, and it will be a kind of smash and grab. It may be whether that should be allowed. I can only report on what I'm hearing. <laughs> um, but you, you 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 do hear that from time to time.
2: Kelly, so let let's be clear. They're grabbing the points. They're not grabbing the goal. That's that's fair to say, right?
1: No, no, that is against the run of play. That's a completely different <laughs> cliche that's used yeah, in that situation.
2: Right. I mean, even now, in, we've all we've all experienced an undeserved win, one way or the other. But there seems to be a kind of reluctance, even amongst sort of pundits and journalists and general observers, to use the word lucky as if it's some sort of as if a team could never be lucky. There's always there's always a kind of marginal gains genius lying behind there somewhere. I'm I'm talking quite often about the Mourinho masterclass idea, which I'm not saying his undeserved wins are necessarily against his design, but it seems like the word lucky is kind of like a swear word. Why?
1: Well, yeah, but I think that's slightly different. Yeah, but I think that's mm. slightly different okay. the Mourinho thing because I think that is that is how he plays, and that you know it is all about percentages and all those kind of things. But I do think that what what I mean by an undeserved win is. When a team really, like, you know, when somebody's missed a load of chances, it's just when things have hit the bar and they, you know, or they've not got a decision, that, you know, or they've had a decision go against them or whatever it is. And you just look and you think, one of those games where you spend the whole thing thinking, why is one team not four or five nil mm. up in this? And then the opposition get a, a goal in like the last minute to just, a scrape like a punch's off three chance, points. like the, oh, the one
3: it, punch yeah, potential. It,
1: exactly that exactly that and it's I I think that's different with that
3: as well Kelly I love just the way there's this sense of kind of inevitability like a prophecy has been like in Macbeth or something and we all you gradually get to about the 87th minute and you're like this other team have missed so many chances and there's just this creeping sense (laughs) of we're gonna lose this aren't we we're gonna lose this and then there's like a cheap corner conceded and you're just like there's no, they are just absolutely scoring here. They are absolutely scoring. And, yeah. then, and it doesn't make it any easier when it happens that just growing horror that grips you. And it's like you can see it coming, you can see your own death, but you can't do anything about it.
1: But I also think the other reason I love it is because I think it heightens all the emotions. So they're so much more fun to win and they're so much more painful to lose. Like there, there is a, and there's that real sense of burning injustice as well. And that kind of, it just, it feeds into all those emotions. It's just a much more intense experience than a kind of, you know, 4-0 procession.
2: It's good that your, your third and final love is basically based around injustice and schadenfreude, which <laughs> is exactly what loving football should be all about. So it's, in, in fact, this is a, it was a perfect decision.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone?
2: Let's move on to the things that you hate, or perhaps just have a slightly irrational, tiny aversion to. Uh, tell us about your first one. This is great.
1: No, I, I hate all of it. <laughs> um, the first one is the first one I hate in life and in football as well, which is people <laughs> using nicknames when they don't know the person they're talking about. It drives right. me up the wall. It, whether it's a, like a party where you get introduced to a group of people, one of them has a nickname for the other one, and then the person who's desperate to be included suddenly goes. Oh yeah, yeah. Hello, uh, whatever your name is, Billy. And you're like, like, not it's not Billy to you. You don't know him. You're not part of that whole kind of set. Stop trying so hard to fit in. Just relax and back <laughs> off.
2: And then they've been in, the, in a football, Sky <laughs> Sports league. Christmas parties are revealed. Um, terrible. I can not there are people.
1: are people that I know and who know me, and so then it it works. But then it's mm. that it's just that sense of um. It's a, it it has a. A whiff of desperation about it. And when people mm. use it in a footballing set, the, the worst hit person in all of this is Frank Lampard. Everybody, <laughs> everybody but everybody calls him Lamps. David Beckham's like mm. Becks, Lamps. I mean, maybe it's just that generation of players. And it drives me up the wall. Stephen Jared, Stevie G. And it is that mm. generation of players. And it's that sense of, yeah, they're, they're one of us. It's like, they're not. You don't know them unless you actually played with them or a close friend of theirs, stop using their nicknames. It just sounds sad and try-hard.
2: OK, so <laughs> my harsh. question for you Should then, be... Katie, is <laughs> yeah, um, Katie. <laughs> does, the, does this phenomenon kind of extend to um, when fans refer to the players of the team by their first names? That's over. That's overly oh, familiar. No, I'm thinking... have, there,
1: there is an exception, you're right, and it's not that one. <laughs> the exception <laughs> is... When it's a nickname that has been invented by the fans okay. for the player, oh yeah, okay. so that's so that's okay. a, that's an exception. But when it's something okay, that you they can get... of anything, uh, no. <laughs> 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 but there, but there are there are there are some of them. Um, the Scotland player who Norwich fans call the Mayor, John Fleck. Do they, oh, I'm right. sure they call him the Mayor of Norwich. That's fine. That okay. that is absolutely fine. That that does not come under this umbrella. What I mean is play uh, fans and. Worse, commentators and pundits who are professionals and should know better, using <laughs> nicknames to describe a player who they don't know. Different if it's a friend that will—that's an exception because it's very difficult to change that around.
3: You would love Kelly. I there think. are a couple of uh, Tottenham examples. So some um, kind of fans who is Kelly Sonny. So Sonny's one, <laughs> but more, but more egregious. Yeah. I think you would think some. So people who. Deli Ali's close friends and family call him Dell. Right, but some fans will take mm. it upon themselves to also call him Dell as if they know him. And likewise, Harry Kane is known as H by those that are close to him. But again, yeah. some some fans will will call him H. I'm guessing you would you would not be up for H or Dell in those contexts.
1: No. no, absolutely not. That's what you call your mates. That you shorten your mate's name. Um, it's not it's not John Fleck. I don't. It's Kenny McLean. Is the guy they call the, the mayor of Norwich? That's the ah, one.
2: That's nice. Yeah, it. but I am. Um, so, sort of creative nicknames are allowed, and I think that's fair because that, there's ownership there. They own it. They've they've given it to him, and therefore yeah. they are entitled yeah.
1: to yes. one size exactly. fits all, yeah. for okay. example. Exactly that. Yeah. that was that a friend's? Role? I don't know, but they, but it just it's trying too hard. It's like it's it's, it's a bit like mm. fans. You think they're one of the team? You're not. You know, you may be part of a broader <laughs> issue in the club. You're, but you're not a player
3: you're, part of the, yeah. you're just not
1: <laughs> it's like it's not it, this isn't you, you but the reaction from both of you is kind of it is part of it because it's like there's a oh what do you mean they're not part of the team it, but it, they're not it, this isn't this is factual rather than no the, i completely agree emotionally they may be part of something bigger and you know we're all in this together and that kind of thing i that i i have no issue with but that sense of thinking that thinking that you're one of them you're you're not
3: Calling Sterling, <laughs> calling Sterling <laughs> this Raz. Is great. Ugh.
1: Yeah, I mean
2: Charlie. This I think North London is a very good case study for this because calling players by their first name, I honestly think, has been a bit of an Arsenal phenomenon over the last ten to fifteen years. And now I think Spurs are starting to do it. You see a lot of Toby. Interesting. I mean, it's not a particularly difficult surname to pronounce. I mean, I know that the bar is low for supposedly difficult to pronounce surnames in football, but to- Toby, it's not for me. Toby, is Toby, and Yan.
3: You they would often be uh be grouped together, yeah maybe I mean and and mm. yeah Arsenal players often and like I say H and Dell, you know it's 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 getting out of control but yeah Kelly you'd like my <laughs> wife Kelly because she is she's so far the other way she's really reluctant to call even people who are known almost universally by a kind of surname plus y yeah she'll be like but i don't i don't really feel i know them enough but No, no i called righty ian him. for about a year a yeah i did
1: because i was just i was like i don't i don't really feel yeah. i do not really feel we know each other well enough to use your nickname it just felt really odd i can't imagine anyone calling yeah.
3: him ian he's just, not just an ian, ian is he that's he,
2: weird just, no you don't know no but yeah, now I think about it, if I met him, and I never have, and, and if I just called him righty, now I would stop and say, I don't, I don't, I haven't
1: earned the <laughs> yes. right. I think it might be my own sort of insecurities coming to the fore here. It's like, am I part of your group? <laughs> I don't want to, I exactly, don't want yeah. to. Don't call don't them insecurities. Be... <laughs> We've already
2: established that you hate everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, again, that's a sign of major insecurities. I would, I would say foibles and quirks.
2: <laughs> and yeah.
1: extreme, extreme okay, yeah, politeness. That's, that's more diplomatic.
3: <laughs> yeah. With all due respect, to humans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love humans.
1: I don't love, love humans. Hu- I'm a complete misanthropist.
3: <laughs> Kelly, what, what, do people do this with you? And does the, uh, is this from first experience, first-hand experience? No
1: they, no, they don't really. You get like Kelly or like maybe Kel, but not, But very rarely straight away. And there, uh, there is the mm-hmm. occasional Kate C, but yeah, again, from people who I know. So it doesn't really, it doesn't really bother me.
2: You can't have your married name turned into a nickname and that, that doesn't work, that, does it? See,
1: now that's an interesting phenomenon. I find it very odd because that, that, that mm. isn't, I don't know, maybe because it doesn't feel like my name, but I, I still answer to it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not <laughs> to so say enough. that if somebody were to shorten my name, then I would take umbrage and refuse to speak to them, them and be, you know, <laughs> and forever hold a grudge. But yeah, well, I might think slightly less of them.
2: quite a lot less by the sounds of this there is precisely one athletic employee whose whose name will go unspoken who just calls me hurry all the time and i'm waiting for the opportunity i'm not sure by which medium to um out them maybe i will no i just whoever it is and if you are listening and you're kind of duty bound to be stop doing it
3: how do you feel when there are, there are some of our colleagues as well who just call you cliches how how, <laughs> how do you feel about that
2: i i mean I, I dislike it on many levels but i i don't like being reduced to mm. this i don't like being reduced to this brand mm. i am I'm, I'm not keen on that either, but um that's as much as i want to talk about it for that exact reason so um yeah but yeah never do that on this Who's podcast done? anyway
1: Duncan Alexander at Opta, his Twitter handle is Oily Sailor, and honestly, I have done, and I'm not the only person to do this, because yeah. um, James Richardson has done it as well. Keep calling him Ollie and referring to him as Ollie because his name is Oily Sailor, and yeah. it, it does something weird in our heads.
2: I just assumed it was an anagram for years, and I did ask him yeah. once, and I completely forgotten what he told me it was, but it remains. But either way, his name's Duncan. <laughs> yeah. Or dunks, as an over-familiar um, person would call him. Dunks! <laughs> dunks.
3: Yeah, he's not I a dunks, so. is he?
2: No, he's, he's too cerebral for a dunks. Uh, apologies to dunks <laughs> out there. Um, I've known a few in my time. Let's move on. I'm, I'm fascinated by the phenomenon of this second hatred of yours. Um, there are some obvious candidates to pin it on, but uh, let's hear
1: it. It's quite specific, though. So I hate um, people who get angry about the greatest the greatest footballer, the greatest goal scorer, the greatest whatever, it's nonsense. It is absolutely meaningless. That is not to say you can't have a favourite, but what, mm. what I think it smacks of is that it, it's someone who wants to distance themselves from kind of what they see as quite childish and having my favourite footballer, which they think might be a little bit playground. And instead, <laughs> they are so absolutely certain of their own opinion and so absolutely determined that everyone else should think like they do, that they unequivocally say, no, that person is the greatest. It's like, no, that person is your favourite. And that's absolutely fine to have a favourite. That is normal. Mm. But you can't then extrapolate a favourite to that player being the greatest of all time. Yours is not the only opinion.
2: Charlie, this this kind of debate, if it, <laughs> if it could be called can, such... Can
1: I also just put a disclaimer there, which is this, this whole um, section is very much <laughs> me giving my opinion as though it is the only opinion. So
2: yes, I do appreciate exactly. the irony here. Yeah, you haven't said these are the three worst things in football, though. You haven't been that. You haven't been that um, no, decisive be about that. it. But Charlie, this kind of issue came to a head this week, I suppose, quite naturally when uh, Messi and Ronaldo shared a football pitch, um, which is the-, the cue for all of us to go, "Who's the best?" And I firmly have you down as a "Can't we just enjoy them while we can" kind of guy.
3: <laughs> well, I might have had that opinion, however many years ago, but now <laughs> you can't have you can't have that opinion either. That's kind of the, no. the, the worst. But no, I am generally a uh, not. Feeling too strongly about debates where we are meant to have a strong view on, so I don't feel particularly strong. I don't. I
1: don't mind. I don't mind the debates because I like the opportunity to talk about greatness. There was a lot of it around when when Maradona died as well, and Mm. comparing players of different generations, which is absolutely impossible. Mm. You just can't see enough for a start of players of a previous generation. Who was greater, Pele or Maradona? You might have a favourite. You might have somebody that you are drawn to, that you appreciate what they did. And and, and and the Maradona thing also brought up another aspect of this, which is particularly distasteful, which is the use of numbers to try and justify your reason mm. for liking somebody. Geoffrey Archer sold about 300 million <laughs> copies of his books. Did James Joyce sell that many copies? No, he did not. Is Ulysses better than anything written by Geoffrey Archer? Yes, it is. Have I read Ulysses? no i have not because it's unfathomable (laughs) but that's not the point the point is that greatness is not measured in numbers you can sometimes use numbers to help your point or back up your point or to show something that's a little bit interesting or a quirk but but football is not defined in numbers maradona did what he did over what seven or eight years but he said every seven years of my every year of my life is seven years of of someone else's Mm -hmm. what he crammed into that space was so extraordinary that there's a really strong... If somebody says he's the greatest player I ever saw, who are you to tell them they're wrong? Why is your opinion more valid than than theirs? It, it's just not... It's the way in which it's measured is flawed as well. That The whole... I, I'm getting myself annoyed here.
3: <laughs> but I think, Kelly, you, you, you tap into something that I've thought about a lot before, which is I, I think with sport, you have chemistry with certain players as an individual. You connect on an individual level and that is really important. And that is why... You know, some players leave you feeling a bit numb, feeling leave you feeling a bit cold, and as you say, that doesn't mean you should then be making an argument that they are worse or they are bad. It is just it's such a personal watching sport is such a personal thing, and you see it all the time. There are players you just don't connect with for whatever reason, and there are others that just get you. There's something relatable about them, Um, and I think that is that is a really important distinction, and and people. Yeah, maybe get confused and think. Then they have to make the argument that they are the greatest or they're better, and they're not. They're just you. You connect with them, and that's great.
1: They're your favorite, exactly. It's like when I when I watch Ronaldo or when I watch Messi. When I watch Ronaldo, I sort of sit back and clap and go, "Oh, that's impressive." When I watch Messi, I smile and I mm. laugh and mm. I just kind of it's it's there's a joy to it that is it is separate. Totally from, from how brilliant he is, and it, it is. You're right. It's a completely emotional reaction. And it's personal to me. That doesn't mean, I don't think there's a valid argument that Ronaldo is better or more effective or whatever you want to say. It, it, it's just to dismiss other people's opinions by saying it, it, it's actually, I think you find he's the greatest player who ever played because his numbers are great. It's, that is just nonsense. Uh, actually, I think you find he, uh, he, he you know, he, he turned around a number of games in which they wouldn't have won it because his... Uh, the XG chain from when he came on. From, <laughs> I knew here, XG. I knew, yeah, yeah, XG. 0. You could see no, but it. XG. I don't... The thing is, this is not a dismissal of stats as well, which are extremely useful, but they're, they're a tool. They're not the point of the game. Otherwise, you might as well just have penalty shootouts.
2: Mm-hmm. If it's
1: not... If it doesn't come down to skill and flair and excitement and joy and love, have a penalty shootout and just decide it that way.
2: I think... Um specifically the, yeah, man, the, the futility I'm not of... Crying. <laughs> yeah, i Yeah, was going to say, it's so emotional.
1: <laughs> what?
2: Ha- Matt Hancock moment <laughs> uh, Yeah,
1: um, genuine, not that bad.
2: The futility of kind of comparing um, players across generations um, reminds me of a previous episode we did where we tried to decide how far back in history you'd have to go to be able to play professional football. And uh, the consensus was you could go back to about the 40s and just about get away with it. There was some blowback on that from listeners. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it laid bare, the idea that you just simply can't compare... A player who played before the pass back rule to someone who's playing now because it is quite literally a different sport.
1: The very best players, I don't think that's true of though mm. I think it, because they because the assumption is that they would have been as fit and as well coached if they were playing oh, no, now. No, no, no. There, you there can't are loads of German. no No,
2: these are the technical issues you have to bear in mind are are they having the same training methods that's when it gets very boring i have to say the conversation (laughs) the episode got downhill from there anyway um,
1: taking it in that direction then (laughs) yeah uh
2: let's hear your third and final hatred of football um i in the running order for this i simply wrote underneath feels harsh but let's hear her out
1: (laughs) um the, (laughs) the use of the word beloved I think it smacks of it smacks of insincerity. I, I'm in, totally in, with you it, here,
3: Kelly. Yes,
1: my, give me the context. Yeah, my
3: beloved gooners. my beloved
1: Spurs, my
3: beloved oh, Gunners. Oh you know they don't like it's, them it's, one bit.
1: It's a politician's bio. Hundred percent. Oh my! I can't stand it. Or it's it's an intro to a football guest on a light entertainment show. It's that oh, kind of. Right. It, it's it's something said by people who don't know or like. Football about people who do like football.
2: Yeah, it, it's, it's
1: weird language.
2: His, 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 I mean, it, yeah. it also feels like something you'd say after someone died.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, As they I spent many a
3: weekend down at their
2: beloved Leighton Orient.
1: Yes, it's exactly
2: that. There
3: was I a don't... guy, a phony like this, who I remember saying he lived in America and he was like, "Yeah, I, I always, you know, every Saturday afternoon I look out for my beloved, the, my beloved Gooners and their results." And I was like, well, it wouldn't be the afternoon where you were, pal, living in New York. And I like, <laughs> busted. I, like, I knew yeah. you were into we, with Also, we saw right
1: through you. The, yes, the minute you said Beloved, I think...
3: Beloved plus Gooners, no chance.
1: Yeah, I do, I do. I mean, I know he's American, so it's not his second language. But I would make exceptions for people who English is their second language using the word Beloved, because they may have heard it in a footballing context and think that is a... So, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a harsh but fair judge, I like to
2: think. OK, so that's about 7.9 billion people ruled out the equation. So that's all right. They're, mm. they're safe. Um, what about, you know, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. That's Is that still
1: sacred? I mean, it's not, used less often in football, I think, though.
2: Yes, I less, certainly <laughs> hope so.
3: Well, the stadium announcement. Uh, it's only in,
1: in, a footballing, in a footballing context. Yeah, please welcome to the pitch, your beloved. <laughs> well, oh,
3: God. But mm. I remember, Kelly. That's I- a good point. I I did once have to... I used the word beloved in an article and I hated myself. But I did need a kind of shorthand to describe how this guy... You know, talking about his beloved Man City or whatever it was. And it it was kind of... I just needed to use it in that context to save words as well. But I did... I hated myself.
1: Well, there's,
2: (laughs) there's, there's two important technical points here. Firstly... There is no alternative, as Charlie has pointed out. I can't think of another way of, if you wanted to sort of very, very succinctly sum up the Mm. fact that this guy supported this team very much, I can't think of a different way of saying it. And secondly, it's only for one person. A collective can't have a beloved club.
1: Is that fair to say?
3: No, 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 no. no. You could
1: go to like a, a supporters club where they watch their beloved, I don't know. Do you think? Leighton Orient. Yeah. Yeah the the okay. game uh, because of because of covid restrictions the forty thousand forty thousand for, because of covid restrictions four hundred late Orient fans watched their beloved team play yeah you could you, you could do that that would definitely mm. be used i mean again i i don't like it at all but that it could be stretched to to that use i think
2: seems <laughs> it's a very appropriate word to have for something you hate. But that's that's fine. What a wonderful selection of things you've offered us today. Um, It's opened so many more Pandora's boxes than I ever thought. Um, Especially the word "beloved." I I, I never thought that such an innocuous word could piss someone off so much.
1: But don't you don't you read it and think fraud? Totally. That's what
3: I think. That's what I mean. And then. That's why I felt bad using it in an article because I was like, I'm making this guy sound like a phony. To me, me saying his beloved Man City makes me think he's a phony and I feel bad for him that I've done that but I just don't have an alternative. You
1: know, I do know somebody who's used it about themselves and, and she, and oh, I feel, yeah. and I now feel bad that I'm having a go at something that I know a friend of mine has used. <laughs> what I would say that I though, feel like you're torching a lot
3: of
2: relationships
1: I, there. I don't think, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I don't think that you are a fraud if you use the word beloved but- my position on you is that I'm you're going to have to prove that you're not if you use that word
2: Uh, actually there's a very interesting point the the idea that you said that you you can't use beloved for yourself which opens up a whole different can of footballing worms (laughs) about things that players stroke managers should never be able to use for themselves, hot off the press from a Leicester press conference this afternoon, Mark Albrighton talking about Leicester's prospects in the uh, Europa League this season. He says, "We have that chance to create something special and book our place further into Leicester folklore." You can't, you can't book yourself into folklore. That's not your no. doing. You can't no. do it.
1: No, that's the, that's the that's the history books to decide.
2: Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You, c- you, can- you can write yourself into the history books, but you can't declare the fact that you have written yourself into the history books.
1: No, you can't also call yourself a player's player.
3: Can- <laughs> <laughs> it's like those people who describe themselves, I'm a real people person. It's like, f- yeah, or exactly. on TOWIE when they say, I'm, I'm a girl's girl. Yeah. I'm a girl's girl. Or,
2: yeah.
1: yeah, red yeah. flag all over the place. Imagine a player coming out afterwards and saying, you know, I mean, I appreciate I'm not maybe not the most spectacular player on the on the pitch, but I'm, I'm more of a players player. But you have to be a real you have to be a real connoisseur to really get Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. The <laughs> players.
3: The, my teammates know how good I am, trust me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they know, they know when I'm missing. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, it's it's taken us the best part of an hour to get Mark Albright and Anne Towie into the same section of this show. <laughs> so I'm glad we've done that. Um, Kelly, I feel like you feel like you've unloaded a lot here
1: <laughs> from, the from pyro
2: to nickname unnecessary nicknames but yeah thanks very no, much no no for no not us. unnecessary
1: unearned nicknames
2: oh yeah yeah the, oh, the, God, unearned, yeah.
1: Okay. the unearned usage of nicknames very okay
2: unwarranted nicknames <laughs> usage okay be important that we get that point clear anyway um it's it's been a genuine pleasure to have you thank you so much I've genuinely Um, enjoyed it, thank you. Yes, I've learned a lot here about you and uh, the (laughs) way you treat people.
1: (laughs) What's going on on in my head, yeah, how I think about people.
3: Yeah,
2: Judging them all the time. Absolutely right. And thanks to you, Charlie. Enjoy your your final um, Europa League experience until the spring at least.
3: Yeah, thank you. I've loved it. It does worry me though how many times you and I, Adam, have pissed Kelly off over the course of... Of the last hour, no, no doubt that will have been faux pas after faux pas. But Katie, you'll be all right. Don't worry, about it. <laughs> classic Katie. I must
1: say, I, I almost certainly have done all those things that I hate myself, almost certainly on more than one occasion. Ah, uh, the but ultimate it, maybe cop that out. Just makes me more judgy
2: Yeah, that's fine. Anyway, um, yeah, thanks so much again. Really appreciate it, Charlie. We'll see you next time, and uh, to all our listeners, hope you enjoy it and see you next week. Cheers. <music>